Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. awesome. The subwoofers Holden brought the bass on that. Anybody else feel that? Felt that in my chest. That was awesome. It's probably a lot like that night. That's awesome. Well, hello, Revive. How are you guys? Good? Good. I'm Mitch. I am so glad to be here. I get to come about every six months or so, it seems like, and I am so grateful you let people with gray hair in here once in a while. So, so glad, so grateful uh, to be with you guys, and it's, it's wild. Jamie and I realized this, that um, this week, I guess, is kind of my week, because we've done this the last, I think this is my third year of this week in December, which is awesome, right? So I say we do it again next week, or next year, I should say, but you might want to wait until the end of the message to agree to that or not. But I am so glad to be here. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I love this time of year. Um, but I also kind of like to know what's happening. So are you guys okay? Anybody else like to kind of have a roadmap for what's going on? You don't mind an agenda? I, I like an agenda once in a while. I'm all about God's surprises, but I'm also okay to kind of know what's going on. Anybody else that way? Like, heck yeah, give me a checklist, baby. So I just want to let you know where we're going tonight. Uh, our roadmap, it's pretty simple tonight. We're going to, uh, there's three parts. There's really three core stories, each involving running, which is kind of interesting. And then there'll be three 
invitations. So that's our roadmap. You'll kind of be able to gauge where we're at throughout just to kind of refer back to say, okay, where are we at? First part, second part, third part. Um, and that's, that's where we're going. So um, I also should let you know, I should kind of come with a warning label right now uh, because I just uh, completed a two-week, 4,000-mile uh, trip of me in my Jeep with my dog, uh, Hero. Uh, my, my wife, Melissa, flew out for part of it. We drove all the way out to California. Uh, our son lives in LA. We picked him up, went and did Thanksgiving in the mountains. And then I brought Mel back to LAX. She's like, yeah, peace out. Don't want to do the drive back, which is just fine. You and the dog are just fine. So I had 4,000 miles in 10 days, basically, of driving. And what I did with a lot of that, some of that was totally quiet. Any other introverts in the house? It was, it was pure bliss. It was fantastic. But some of it was with podcasts. Anybody else podcast people? Yeah, right? And what I did was, Jamie said, I want you to talk about Luke 2, the shepherds. I'm like, oh, I've never really dug into the shepherds. I'm all about that. And I just find the Bible fascinating. I love to dive into the scripture itself, but I love to dive into the history behind it and all that stuff. And I probably had at least 10 hours of podcasts on shepherds. So this message tonight is at least eight hours long. <laughs> Hope you packed a lunch. Jamie said, just keep going. We'll do the Christmas party around you. It's fine, you know? So we will take a break. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I'm pretty excited about what we found. Now, I will say, my dog is beautiful. But I just, this is a complete caveat to like, just for me. But um, some people are like, oh my gosh, your dog's so beautiful. You should be one of those dogs of Instagram. This is what Hero, my dog, thinks of Instagram. Um, every time I try to do a really cool selfie of just me and him on the road in Moab or Colorado somewhere, he would turn and show his butt. I have more pictures of Hero's tail in my face. Um, so uh, the dogs of Instagram is just not happening, just so you know. But um, that's where we're going. This is our road. Roadmap. Let's get started. So here's the thing. I love the shepherds. I, I honestly have never really, uh, you know, kind of dug into the shepherds story. And what I love about the Bible is um, this one's not even my thick one. I've got a big, thick study Bible at home with all sorts of notes and stuff like that. But what blows me away is sometimes you can find out just one piece of information or just have one epiphany about a word or a sentence, just one sentence in the Bible. And it, it brings a whole other context to a story. And you're like, oh my gosh, I love that. I, I just think the Bible is so cool that way. That's why they say it is a living, breathing document, right? It's, we can come to it and, and read the same thing twice and get something completely different. And what I want to encourage you, what I want to invite you to do is to be open. Because let's be honest, for some of us, uh, maybe you grew up with Christmas in a Christian home, the Christmas story is kind of a familiar thing. And even if you didn't, there's a good chance that some of the elements that we'll be talking about, the manger, the shepherds, it's kind of, it would be easy to just go, I've heard it a thousand times. But sometimes when you just hear one word or just, you, you get a little different vantage point on a story and you're like, oh my gosh, you can see things in a completely different way. And most importantly, I think we can see our world in their world. And so what, what I want to do is just invite you to be open tonight and just to see what God wants to do, okay? So here's the thing. Um, 
What I love about the story is, and, and there's, just, uh, again, we could do eight hours on this. We won't. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it contained. But here's the thing. Um, the, there's the story of these shepherds, and it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby Bethlehem, like close to where Mary and Joseph were, um, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, this won't be surprising necessarily, but these particular shepherds, historians, theologians think were probably Jewish um, they, they were there for generations. We'll see more of that in just a second. But one of the things that they would do is they would be intergenerational. You saw it in some of the video. Actually, the video is pretty historically accurate. You would have families of shepherds, but these people would kind of be dismissed. They would be outsiders. They would be outside of town. Um, they, they wouldn't attend Hebrew school, but they'd know the stories And that was the thing about being Jewish is that most people, especially common people, they didn't walk around with a Torah. Um, They didn't have copies of the scrolls. And so what they would do is they would memorize stories. I mean, that's the thing. We, We get so spoiled by having Bibles, having our Bible apps, having devotionals, all of that stuff. But they didn't have that. So what they had to do is they had to share stories. And what they would do as, as clans, as families, as at night in order to stay warm, to stay encouraged, to have hope, they would gather around the fire and an elder in the group would start telling a story. And I, I just imagine, can you imagine like transport yourself back and you imagine one of the elders saying, all right, what story do you want to hear? Now, this is a group of shepherds just outside the town of Bethlehem, right? So there's a very good chance, especially if there's kids in the group, they're going to yell one story because it's a crowd favorite. It's got to be. They're going to say, we want David and Goliath. Tell us the David and Goliath story. And I can just imagine this elder say, okay, all right, for the thousandth time, that's fine. Gather around, get around the fire. Come on, everybody in. Let's start talking about it. And he would walk through this story. And I would imagine, I just imagine in my mind, I don't know if it's historically accurate or not, but I would imagine there were certain things if this story was being told that like, especially the kids would probably erupt, right? Because David became king. David, everyone knows, took out Goliath. David became this leader, but David started out just like them. He was a shepherd from a little town of Bethlehem. I can just imagine, like, oftentimes the elders, they would repeat these stories almost word for word, and I can only imagine, you know, if an elder would say, and he was from Bethlehem, hometown boy, you know, like, woo, kids would be like, whoa, 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 right? Like, how awesome is that, right? Our boy went on to be king. How cool. That gives us hope. God worked through him. That gives us hope. It maybe could happen again. Something amazing could happen again from these fields. And they would continue on. David was the youngest. He would start to talk about the woes, the challenges this David faced, right? He was the youngest of all of these brothers. And he would start to dive into some of the specifics. Maybe you know some of the specifics of David and Goliath's story, but everyone, I can only imagine, you know, probably word for word, some of these kids would just know the story word for word. So as this elder is telling the story, probably some of the kids are just like mouthing it, like, oh, I know that part, I know that 
part, right? Oh yeah, the youngest brother. I know what it's like to be the youngest brother, dismissed, forgotten about. Nobody thinks about the youngest brother. Oh yeah, David was that guy. And guess what? He went back and forth. He served Saul, but he went back and forth. He got sent back home to do what? To take care of the sheep. That's what I do. David's king. So could I. I don't know. God worked through him. Maybe he could work through me. Right? Can you imagine? And then I, I can only imagine, like, if the elder's good at telling stories, there would probably be, like, when he got to the Goliath part, can you imagine? He probably got a little hushed, got a little quiet. Can you imagine Goliath trash-talking God? And what did David do? David didn't stop. David didn't cower like everybody else. He was a shepherd boy from Bethlehem, right? We know what that means. He ran at Goliath. Can you imagine the kids be like, yeah! He ran, yes, right? Like the favorite part of your movie, whether it's, you know, the best Christmas movie ever, Die Hard, when Bruce Willis does that thing, right? You're like, yeah, do it, Bruce, right? You've seen it a thousand times. These kids have heard that story a thousand times, but every time you would say, and David ran, they would go, you know he did. You know he did, and you know what he did? He took out Goliath with the same tools I use. God worked through him. Maybe he could work through us. Right? Can you imagine that? And doesn't that speak to the power of stories? We need to hear stories. We need to hear other stories, how God has worked through people in the Bible, but we also need to hear stories about what's going on here. You got some cool stuff going on here. There's some amazing things happening through prayer, through serving. Like God's on the move. Can I get a whoop whoop? Right? Like, I mean, some cool stuff's happening, but it's important to be able to share those stories because stories, you know what stories do? Is they help us prepare. I will, in all honesty, did not know that was what the second candle meant, but that totally fits with the message. So God did. Awesome, right? But stories, when we hear stories, they help us prepare. They help us to be encouraged. They help us to be bolstered. They help us believe that God could actually call us into his story because he does because that's exactly what happened those shepherds they were out on a hill much like i'm guessing some of the same hills that david walked on with his sheep they were there one dark and cold night now i imagine that it was a tuesday night you know what I mean? Like one of those nights where nothing happens on Tuesday nights. Like Thursday's kind of a good night. Friday, sure, something God would move on a Friday, but Tuesday, right? But it's one of, nobody expected it. But because they had heard all of these stories, they were more prepared. They were more prepared that God might, in fact, invite them into his story. And so when it happened, when this angel came and then the armies of angel came and sang. They were ready. I mean, it says they were terrified at first and then the angel said, no, don't worry. I got good news. Don't worry. Stay with me. I got you. I love the fact that the Bible even records there was some choice. There was some discussion like, what should we do? The angel just told them what happened. They had to choose. What are we going to do? And they chose just like David chose they chose to run at it. They chose to run at it. They didn't just walk. They weren't kind of bored like, eh. They chose to run at it. And, and I don't know about you, but that inspires me. But I think the reason why was they were more prepared. They had been basked 
in stories of what to do when God invites you into what he's up to. And I believe that he can. I believe that he will. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I I love stories. I think stories are great. You know, it's kind of one of those things where stories, again, help us prepare. I know some of you guys have been diving in to this book. Anybody enjoy this book a little bit, Dirty Glory? Yeah, awesome. There's some great, great prayer stories in that. It's It's amazing. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. I know that's something you guys have been spending a little bit of time in. It's great. Stories, again, help us to prepare. They help us to be encouraged. They help us to get excited. They help us to see possibility. But are you guys okay with being honest? Are you okay with me being real? Okay, so I believe stories are wildly important. I think testimony is critical. I think we need to share stories of cool stuff that God's doing, stuff that we've seen, stuff that we've been a part of, something that we've heard about. I think when we share that, it can bolster us. But I will also admit there is a ditch to stories, okay? Total ditch with stories. Now, um, Pete, Greg, Greg, he's British. I listened to it on Audible. I heard him say his own name a number of times, but it's British, so I couldn't, like, is it Greg? Greg Crook? I don't know, but it's cool, right? And it sounds smarter because he's British, um, whatever. But he would tell these stories, and I'm like, man, I love this. But there would also be a part of me that's like, I don't have a story like that. Now, here's the thing. I, I actually will, I'll brag on God. I got some pretty good prayer stories. God's been really, uh, he's been really gracious. He's been really generous with me. I've got some amazing prayer stories. I've got some amazing times where either I heard from God and was guided by God, or I was able to share a word with something and that encouraged somebody. And I am wildly grateful for that. But I also can find myself get jealous. I can even find myself get grumpy. I told my wife this story because I was like, uh, literally, we're on the phone this afternoon. I was like, okay, I have a confession. She's like, what? I said, I have to tell you the story because I think I'm going to tell the story tonight, but I didn't tell you at the time. So I'm going to tell you now so you're not surprised by it. It's that story, okay? So here's what happened. I have some really good prayer stories, but my wife's got some really amazing prayer stories. And uh, I can ne- I'll never forget, she came home on one particular night, and I think it was a Tuesday. I think it was a Tuesday because it was just one of those days. No big plans, uh, you know, no big meetings, whatever. She came home, she's like, this amazing thing happened today. And I was like, what? And she said, a woman came to Hope, and she had a metal plate in her ankle. Uh, and that metal plate had allowed her to walk, but she couldn't bend her ankle anymore. And all of a sudden, this metal plate was causing all sorts of pain. I'm like, okay. And she said, well, we decided to pray for her. I'm like, great. That's amazing. That's, that's so kind of you. That's so generous. I'm thinking, gosh, you took time out of your schedule. That's incredible. You know, all that kind of stuff. And she goes, here's the thing. We started to pray. And as we prayed, her ankle got hot. And then uh, she started laughing. And then she got up out of the chair and she started dancing. And she started moving around. And her ankle was all of a sudden loose and flexible. And she could move like she hadn't moved in years. And I'm kind of dancing. And that's kind of embarrassing because I'm not good at dancing. But that's what she was doing. She was dancing, right? And here's the thing. It had been a particularly long Tuesday for me. I was kind of dry. I was kind of tired. And I was able to feign excitement as she's telling me that story. But in my heart, I'm like... I don't have a lady with a plate in the ankle story, right? Like, I, I don't have a cool healing story like that. And I'm not proud of it. That's why I had to confess it on the phone this afternoon. I'm like, honey, this has happened. But here's the thing is, I, I, like, I was like, wow. I, I was, you know, almost like my faith felt less than. 
because I didn't have that story. I'm just being real. Now, here's what's interesting, and this is where I think God is just so good and funny and kind and generous and all that stuff, and real. He is not afraid of us being real with him, and he then in turn won't be, he will be real with us. So later that night, I still, I think I was pretty supportive and feigning excitement and all that, but there was something in my heart, like, oh, I don't have that story. But later that night, I took some time to pray, and I'm like, Lord, what is that? Why am I frustrated that I don't have a story like that, that I haven't seen that in my prayer journey? And he asked me a question, and it was a really good question, and God's good at asking questions, and sometimes his questions are kind of offensive, um, but it was true. His question was, are you going to be offended, or are you going to get hungry? Are you going to be offended, or are you going to get hungry? If you want a story like that, go get a story like that. Pray more. Not meaning strive more, just be open to it. Run at it. I'm like, okay, I can try hunger. <laughs> I can try to do hunger, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm pretty hungry now, but I want more. Yeah, I want more of what you're up to, God. And he's like, okay, I can work with that. So it can start with hunger, right? Now, here's the thing. What's, what's interesting is that uh, that's, that's part one. Part two is we're going to talk about the shepherds again, okay? Now, here's the thing. Uh, when we talk about the manger, it's kind of funny. Like, uh, who grew up with some kind of, like, what is it called? A creche, uh, right? Like a, like a little nativity scene in their house. Anybody? Yeah, anybody like it? I played with mine. I had G.I. Joe on the roof when I was little. And I kid you not, currently our nativity scene on our credenza when you walk in our house has Indiana Jones and Sala. I am not kidding. If you look close, uh, they're in there, right? They're hidden with the shepherds. That's how I roll, right? You might have a Playmobil kind. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to think of that manger as like, aw, how cute. You know, like the, the little the cradle was made by somebody on, uh, you know, a, a show where it's like, you know, Instagram worthy or Pinterest worthy, like Mara's like with the baby, like, hey, what's up, Instagram? You know what I mean? Like all of that, like it would be all so nice. Here's the thing, as I dug into the story, uh, what's wild about that video that Jamie found, that, that, that segment, it's actually very accurate. Uh, that, that would be a manger. Stone. Can you imagine? Not very welcoming, not what we picture baby Jesus laying in, but it's real. Now, what I love about this particular epiphany, this awareness, is it helped me to realize just even more about these particular shepherds' life. Um, and these were particular shepherds. I don't know about you guys, but I've always kind of thought, how cool is God that the people that get invited to the baby shower of the savior of the universe were shepherds, right? Like at that time, they would have been people dismissed, disregarded, right? I always thought, gosh, how cool is God that that's who he would invite in? And he is cool and it is neat that those people, it's awesome that those, those folks were. But what I didn't realize is that when I leaned in a little bit more, there was a whole other reason why those shepherds were picked. So when you dive into the scripture, what I love about this, and when you, you know, again, 
dive into the scripture and sometimes when you just can see one word differently, it changes things, it shifts things, it opens your eyes. It maybe makes it look just a little bit different. When I was diving into some of the history, it, uh, one of the historians in particular, and then I heard this backed up numerous times, they talked about how the shepherds nearby towns, and that's what these shepherds were. These shepherds were nearby Bethlehem. And what's interesting is the book of Luke, Luke wrote this book to Gentiles at the time. He wrote this book to people that didn't grow up Jewish, but he knew Jewish people would read it. And it's, it's interesting. The Gentiles would have passed over, much like I did every time I read it up until this season, Gentiles would have passed over. But Jewish people at the time especially would have seen that word nearby and went, oh, oh. Because what's interesting, I, I never knew it, but what's interesting is about those particular shepherds. Those particular shepherds were tasked with preparing, providing lambs that would be sacrificed in the temple. I didn't know that. But what's interesting is, is that those particular shepherds would have then been trained to prepare those lambs because those lambs would have been different. What's wild, what's amazing, what kind of blew my mind when I started to dig into that is that those particular shepherds, they would have known that if a lamb was going to be sacrificed in the temple for someone's sins, what they would do is they would be there at the birth. They would catch that lamb because that lamb was never to touch the ground. They were specifically trained to then take care of that lamb. And one of the ways that they would take care of the lamb, there was actually very specific steps. One of the steps was to wrap that lamb in cloth. One of the additional steps was to lay it in a manger. So when those shepherds were invited, I mean, it's amazing that God invited those particular shepherds because they were outsiders. They were disregarded. They were not the political elite, the financial elite, the spiritual elite, but God still invited them. But what I love is, is that they also knew something because of their jobs. They were aware of something. They were specifically trained so that when they showed up at that manger, when they showed up at that stable, they could see immediately Jesus wrapped in cloth, laid in a manger. They had been told by the angel and the chorus that the savior of the world had been born. But when they got there, they realized before anybody else, he was also the sacrifice. They were equipped because of their day job. Now, I don't know about you. I, I am an entrepreneur. I work outside the church. Um, and I believe that working outside the church, working in the business world, uh, in education, in hospitals, wherever you work, like that's our biggest mission field is the marketplace, the world, right? And I always thought, you know, kind of God really shows off in the church and he does really, really cool things. But when I dig into the Bible stories, so many of the amazing, most incredible things that God has done, God has done out in the world, outside the temple, outside the church. And what's crazy about that story, that awareness, I realized is this miracle 
happened in somebody's workplace. It didn't actually happen in the temple. It didn't happen in a holy of holies. It happened at somebody's workplace. I mean, it's the equivalent of the savior of the universe in today's world being born at Target. (laughs) Or at Walmart probably would be a better thing, right? Like, what? Not Walmart. Like, what? Right? It happened in somebody's workplace, which is incredible. And what I love about that, I think, is that there's an invitation to that too. Because uh, I, I know some of you work at the church, a, a small, small percentage of you work at the church. And for everyone that works at the church, my wife works at the church, I wish you had less hours and got more pay, right? Like you guys do amazing things. It's incredible what you do, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Lord, for these people. But most of us don't work inside the church. We work outside the church. But what that tells me is that God can work through our skills that we have learned to teach kids in a school, to help patients at a hospital, to sell whatever product. God can work through us. We might be specifically trained to see something that God does because of our day job. And that's kind of cool, right? to be in the moment. And so to me, it's kind of one of those things where the second invitation is like, what if, what if we would be open to God working through us anywhere? Anywhere. Which is kind of exciting and kind of a little bit scary, right? Because I, I said earlier, I like a predictable schedule. I like an agenda. And sometimes God can kind of surprise us by where he might call us to that. Now, I know some of you may in fact be thinking, well, I work at XYZ and we have a policy against sharing faith. And if that's you, that's fine. That's totally cool. And it's not actually even what I'm talking about. We don't have to grab somebody by their head and tell them they're heathen, right? Like that's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. And what I love is Paul actually lays it out. He says, you know, it's kind of that thing of being able to say, love people. Because you're loved. God adores you. You are loved. So let that love pour out. And in some cases, they may in fact ask you why you live the way you do. And that's great. But if not, we can trust God to do other things. It doesn't always fall on us, but God is very clear. We are to love. We are to love and God can work through us anywhere in that way. Now, (laughs) fun story, and I told you I'd be transparent, okay? Um, Because here's the thing. I love the thought that God could work through me anywhere. At the same time, I am an introvert. I'm an introvert who likes people. I do extroverted things. God's greatest sense of humor is I am an introvert who has to work with 300 to 500 strangers quite often, you know, all of that, right? But uh, I'm an introvert. But God still calls me to love wherever I am, to the best of my ability. And recently, uh, I was on this trip. And what we would do, Hero and I, is we would drive uh, for long periods of time, and then we would stop. We would try to find a place to hike. Um, And I can tell you, it was amazing. It It was great. It was quiet. It was time for prayer. It was time for adventure, all of that. Um, But I was reminded of this, um, and and God was just prompted. Now, I will also say I have 
what I call the introverts travelers prayer. And I pray it every day when I'm on the road. And that is, Lord, help me to meet and interact with the people that you want me to meet and interact with today and keep me away from everybody else. (laughs) I think that's okay. I think that's biblical, right? And it's amazing how he works through that, right? It's it's awesome how he works through that. Now, here's the thing. On this particular day, here when I pulled off, we found this uh, trail that was pretty remote, pretty quiet. We We did a hike and we come back and there's my Jeep, and there is this big truck next to it. Now, I'm not opposed to big trucks, but I know in my heart is all I want to do is get back in my Jeep, get back on the road, because we've got miles to go, right? Interestingly enough, big old guy, big truck, big guy, gets out of this truck, and I'm like, oh, here we go, right? Like, part of me is like, this guy's going to want to talk. Part of me is like, God, I know you have an appointment, but I don't really have time for this. I don't really want a conversation. You know, right? But I'm like, all right, Lord, prepare my heart. If I'm supposed to talk to this guy, there's a part of me that's like hoping this guy doesn't make eye contact and goes beelines it up the trail. That's fine. But no, he's like, howdy. I was like, crap, right? Like, oh, okay, here we go, right? He's like, howdy. And I was like, hey, how are you? And he's like, great, great. And we kind of do that guy conversation. Heck, weather's awesome, right? Great weather. Nice trail. Good trail. Uh, okay, that was good, right? I talked. Got, I'm out, right? But here's the thing. I noticed his place. He was from California. He didn't grow up there, but that's where he lived now. I asked him about it. My son lives in California. So we started a conversation. Within a minute or two, I had heard that he had been out in this area hunting all week. And what I heard from him was it hadn't gone well. It was a bust. Hard week, got nothing. Now, again, my introvert's like, and time to go, got to go, got to go. But God's scheme, just stay with him. Just stay with him. And I think that's one of the greatest ways that we can love somebody sometimes is absolutely if there's the ability to pray for somebody, share the gospel with them, absolutely. But sometimes the greatest gift, sometimes the, the way that we can represent the Father in the best way is just see someone. Just meet them right where they're at. And I got to tell you, it was the wildest thing, but I noticed that he kept looking at Hero, my dog. And this is a big guy and all that stuff, right? And, and I said, um, do you want to pet him? Because not everybody's a dog person, right? And this guy's a big guy and all that stuff. And I thought, ah, he, he's like, all of a sudden, this 45-year-old hunter guy turns into an eight-year-old and said, could I? And I'm like, I mean, literally got down on it, like almost down, like bent down. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I think Hero just picked up on it and Hero just walked over to him and I'll never forget it. He, he leaned down and started just squidging on, squidging on him and, and petting him and, and just petting him. And again, he's just an eight-year-old. And all of a sudden he looks up and his eyes are brimming with tears and I must, I'm not great. I'm not a good poker player, I can tell you. So I, I don't think I look shocked, but I, I definitely looked like, are you okay? And with tears, he said, I had an Akita as a kid. That's the best dog I ever had. I miss that dog. I guess I miss that dog. I said, I get it. And he just goes back down and just scrub, scrub it on Hero. And then he looks up and he goes, made the week worth it. Thank you. I'm like, 
brother. And it's so funny. He's so big and all that. I'm like, is he a hugger? God, I hope he's not a hugger. And I'm like, I'm like, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And he's like, oh, you just went in for one more rub. And he's like, hey, thanks so much. I like feigned a fist bump, got back in his truck and rolled. And I'm like, wow, God. Wow. Introvert's prayer again, right? introverts prayer again. And that's the thing. I think that God calls us to that. It's that whole thing of being able to say, sometimes we are absolutely supposed to spread the gospel. And sometimes one of the best ways to do that is see someone right where they're at. Love them well in the moment. Amen. Amen. All right. Last part, third part. I promised you third three parts. We're going to go after this. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. I'm going to break the rules a little bit because we started talking about the shepherds. But I couldn't start, or I couldn't end it uh, without talking a little bit about Jesus a little more. And more importantly, uh, especially in the power of the story, what Jesus says about the Father, about God. Because in Jesus' time, it was stories still prevailed. Like if you look at what Jesus did so often, Jesus didn't argue someone into heaven he would just tell a story. And one of the biggest questions people always had, the disciples had that. People who were really curious, people who were really hungry, you could see the question. Sometimes it was plainly stated. Sometimes it was, you know, the question between the lines is, what's dad like? What's, what's the father like? What's God like? And, and Jesus would love to brag on his dad. You want to know what the father's like? Oh, let me tell you what. The father's like, you want to know what God's like? Let me tell you what God's like. Now, I can just imagine another campfire type experience in one particular case where Jesus was talking with a group, the disciples were there, and other hungry people that were saying, tell me, tell me what God's like. Tell me what the father's like. And, and God would def, or Jesus would definitely say, oh yeah, you want to know about dad? You want to know about, I'll tell you about the father. This will blow your mind. I'll I'll, I'll tell you some different stories. And he told us a a number of different stories, but this is our last story. The last story, it's also going to involve someone that was running. Because people were wondering, what's God like? Right? Um, If people grew up Jewish at the time, oftentimes they would think of God being the judge. Uh, Some people would have been told that God was harsh. That God was removed, that God was distant, that God didn't love. But Jesus just kept saying, guys, that's not the father. Daddy's amazing. And in this one particular situation, he said, let me tell you a story that, that illustrates what God's love is like. And I can only imagine the people just leaning in like, what is it? What's it like? And he started telling the story. Now, some people will call this story the story of the prodigal son. I love to call this story the story of the running father. You probably know elements of the story. Jesus used it as a parable, but he really wanted people to know how God was, how God loves us, how God thinks of us. And so he told this story. He used this picture. He said there was a father, he was wealthy, and he had two sons. And one of those sons was a jerk. He was was selfish. And so he went to his father and said, I want my inheritance now. And that was something you could do in their culture. 
The father didn't have to do it, but he did it. He said, all right, cash out. And he did. The son took every bit of his inheritance and went away. You probably know the story. He made a lot of, let's just say, bad decisions, right? Spent money on wine, women, and song. Basically went to Vegas, spent it all, lost it all, made a lot of bad decisions. And life was really bad for him. Now, Jesus really wanted this to sink in. Like, and, you know, it's interesting. I'm sure the people sitting around that campfire were probably thinking, oh, yeah, God's wrath. God's wrath. Tell us, tell us how did God judge that son? What did God do? Did God get mad? And Jesus is like, I, you asked me what the father's like. I'm going to tell you what the father's like. And, and again, this is one of those elements where just one word, especially for anyone that was Jewish, they would hear it and it would blow their minds because Jesus said, yeah, well, the son, he decided, well, it's bad here. I could go work for my dad. I could have the lowest position in my dad's company and I would be better off than I am here. I can go and work as a slave for my dad. I'm going to walk home. I'm going to go home. I'm just going to confess I was an idiot and just hope that my dad would take me in. And again, I'm sure everybody sitting around the campfire is like, yeah, and I bet God let him have it, right? Let him have it. Fire, brimstone, boom, maybe an earthquake too. Let him have it. And Jesus is like, nah, let me tell you about my father and the picture that he shared was so different than they expected. He said there was this father and he was looking for the son. He was out looking for the son. Now that would have been shocking. But the next part's the thing that would have really been shocking is that when this son was approaching, when he was close enough for the father to see, the father didn't wait in judgment. The father didn't stay distant because he was angry. Jesus said, the father ran to the son. Now that would have been shocking in Jewish culture because wealthy people, especially wealthy men, didn't run. That was dishonorable. Break all the rules. But Jesus saying, dad, my father, your father, he ran. He ran to that son. He wrapped him in a hug. He kissed him. He threw a robe around his shoulder. Didn't even let the son confess. The son tried to confess like, don't. You're home. You're home. That would have been shocking for everybody around the campfire. It would have been shocking to hear the, the analogy of a wealthy man running, accepting his son loving his son, welcoming him back. But it would have been even more shocking in the moment where it sunk in. Because Jesus wasn't talking about a metaphor that's out there. Jesus was saying, do you get it? We're talking about your father, your God. He loves you that much. He would run at you no matter what kind of week you've had, no matter what kind of year you've had, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, God would run at you. That would have been shocking. And I kind of hope tonight 
it's a little shocking. Especially if you let that in just a little bit. The thought that God is running to you. I think there's a lot of us that think we need to run at God. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like when we're hungry, man, I want in. Whatever God's doing, I want to try to be there. I want to be a part of it. But it's important to remember that God says, I'm running at you. I love you. No matter what. Just just turn a little bit. Just look at me and I got you. I don't care how far I have to run. I'm running. I'm running to you. I think that's that last invitation is what if, what if, what if we allowed ourselves to be open to the thought that God is willing to run to us? I think we know, gosh, there's got to be work there. God's going to judge me, right? But Jesus is saying in one of his favorite stories, God's running to you. Are you open to it? I mean, can you imagine it? Can you let your heart go there? So here's what I want to do. In the last, I'm over, but I'm going to take two more minutes because I didn't go eight hours. Yay! All right, so here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do for just a second is what I'd love is just for you to close your eyes. I'd love for everybody to close your eyes. And this is not one of those things where are you accepting Christ and you have to say specific things. Um, But I would tonight, with your head down, with your eyes closed, I would love for you to just think about God running to you. No matter what you said today, no matter what this year has been like, God running to you with a smile on his face. wrapping his arms around you, kissing you and hugging you and loving you and telling you he's proud of you. And I believe in kind of taking a prophetic act sometimes. Sometimes that helps us to step into something a little bit more. So still with your eyes closed, with your head down, if, if, that, if you just want to say, Lord, I'm open to you running to me, which is kind of a bold and audacious thing. But if you're willing to do that, maybe it's just open your hands to say, Lord, I'm open. If you want to raise your hand, you can. You don't have to. But if you want to raise your hand, say, Lord, I am open to you running at me. Because he is. He sent his son to that manger. He invited those shepherds because he is a God who is running to us. And not just us, but you. And he wants you to know that tonight. He loves you. He is proud of you. And he can't wait to see the journeys that you'll have together. So Lord, we just thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for watching over us and guiding us. Thank you for being generous and kind. Thank you for your word and thank you that your word is living and breathing. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for the spirit, Lord. We just thank you for all that you do and all that you're doing and help us to be hungry. Help us, Lord, to say yes. Help us to be open 
And Lord, help us to remember that you are a father that runs to us. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.